Man, hey, it's so good to be with you guys today, and I'm so excited to almost be 16 years old. It's a, I think it's going to be a great year. I can't wait to get my license, so it should be really, really exciting this next year. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you. I'm Josh, one of the ministers. Welcome to Clear Creek. If I have not yet met you, uh, welcome. We're just glad that you're here with us. Uh, I want you to know that It's okay to have questions. It's okay to not know uh, everything you think you need to know or even be skeptical about this one we call our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because for every one of us in the room, at one point we were not followers, but then we became followers. And in fact, we're in a series right now called What Makes a Disciple or How Disciples Are Made because we want you to understand that following Jesus is a journey. It's a process, and we just want to invite you to be a part of it. Shall we get into God's Word today? Grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. While you're turning there, uh, it's about to happen. For many of you, the long wait is almost over. College football starts sometime this next week. Anyone in here excited about football season back in session? Yeah, some of you. Um, I know for some of you, where am I... (laughs) Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Where are my uh, Georgia fans? Any Georgia fans here? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just go ahead and put this up on screen. Let's own it. You guys had a pretty good year last year. Had a pretty good year the year before. Looks like you may have a pretty good year this year as well. Kirby Smart, head coach. Will Muschamp, he's co-defensive coordinator. And so, I mean, hey, look, we'll own it. You guys did well. You're probably going to have a good one again this year. What's kind of cool is if you look at these guys, as you'll notice that they are not the only ones who come from a similar coaching tree. There are other guys who are mentored under a similar figure. In fact, some of the other guys uh, that you have, you have, I'm going to put this up, Jimbo Fisher at A&M. You have Lane Kiffin. Keep your thoughts to yourself about Mr. Kiffin over at Ole Miss. Then, of course, you have Jeremy Pruitt, who was at UT. He's now with the New York Giants. And one thing that's interesting is all these guys have something in common. You know what that one thing that's in common is? I know we're in the South. We're in Tennessee, the Holy Land. We got to talk about the pagans for a moment here. But it's this guy right here. Now, 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 I can see we are a divided house, so we're going to have a prayer meeting later today. We'll lay hands on each other, and depending on which side you're on, you can cast out demons. It'll be great. But it's the man, Nick Saban. These are all guys who learned under Nick Saban. They saw how he did what he did. They were trained up by him. They understood how to have a winning season so that when they left his tutelage, they would go on to do great things. And so these men have done a pretty good job for themselves because they had someone that they followed very, very closely. In fact, if you look at Nick Saban, one of the things is, I mean, this guy, they've got him locked up, I think, at last count until 2025. The state of Alabama just like rolls in and says, here is all the money and all the banks in Alabama. Would you just stay? And I think he said yes. But all the guys that we saw a moment ago, they are where they are due in great part because they were discipled by this man. And so here's the question, and this is a question I want you to consider for a moment today. It's simply this question. What do you do if you can't get the man? What do you do if you can't get the one who's perceived as the top dog? What do you do if you can't get the one who started it all? And the answer is very plain but very simple. Get someone who learned from him. 
If you can't get the man, get someone who learned from the man. So that really raises an interesting question for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. What do we say to a friend who says, who is this Jesus? I'd like for you to introduce him to me. And we say, well, we can't exactly invite him into the room, sit him down on a chair and let you two talk together. So what do you do if you can't get not the man, but the God man? You bring someone who's learned from him. That's the next best thing. You get someone who has been discipled by Jesus. If you want to introduce someone to Christ, you bring someone into the conversation who has been discipled by Jesus Christ. This is where Jesus begins. In Matthew chapter 4, Matthew gives us the starting moment of how we get someone from not knowing who Jesus is to being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we hear this story, familiar words from Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to ask you, if you would, as we do often here, would you stand please as we read the words of the Lord? Beginning in verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, that'd be like their churches, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Come, follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we hang around your son, Jesus, that we learn to walk, talk, and live like him. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this is where it begins for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, according to rabbinic tradition, meaning the tradition of rabbis, to be a rabbi meant you'd have to be about 30 years old. So Jesus is about 30 years old, and he's now entering into public ministry. And the first thing he does is he begins to collect around himself disciples, those who will learn from him so that when he is gone one day, they will continue the teachings, the practices, the way of living in the kingdom of God that he has been teaching already. And he does a shocking thing. He goes to these four brothers. They're two sets of brothers. And they're all four fishermen. You have Peter and his brother Andrew. You have James and you have John. And Jesus rolls up on them and he says one of the most familiar things in all of Scripture when he says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, there have been a million, billion different sermons on this one verse. Why? Because it is a very common verse. It's an easy-to-remember verse. But more than that, in this one verse, Jesus describes the three things that make up any disciple. 
These are the three components. And by the way, a disciple doesn't just have to be a disciple of Jesus. You can be discipled into anything. You can be discipled by anyone. And friends, by the way, if Jesus is not our rabbi, our teacher, our leader, then we are being discipled by someone or something else. And so there are three things that Jesus is going to say, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. And in fact, he's going to say disciples desire three things. Number one, disciples desire to be with Jesus. Number two, to become like Jesus. And number three, to do what Jesus did. Let me say it again. Disciples desire to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. In fact, because I don't know if you're awake this morning, let's just say this all together. Three things. Number one, disciples desire to be with Jesus. Number two, become like Jesus. And number three, do what Jesus did. That is what it means to be a disciple. So let's just kind of walk through these, make it real simple for my ADHD friends in the crowd. Welcome to the club. We'll keep it real simple, really to the point. Number one, if you're to be a follower of Jesus, then you desire, I know, shocker, to be with Jesus. Isn't that interesting? The very first word he says is the word, come, come. I find this so fascinating, not because of what he says, but because of what he does not say. Jesus does not begin with do, He does not even begin with believe. He begins with be. Just come. Be with me. Come. Isn't it interesting that in the church we often reverse this? We tell people for you to explore faith, you must first do certain things or believe certain things when Jesus simply said, come and be near me. Isn't it cool that Jesus starts not with a requirement of effort, but simply with a desire of proximity? Come be with me. Spend time with me, Jesus says. And it's such an interesting thing. He doesn't just say come, but John's account gives us a little more information when he says, come and see. Come and witness. Come and watch. See how the kingdom of heaven is lived out in my everyday life, Jesus will say. He's inviting everyone into, this is language you're going to hear us use, into the normalcy of his everyday life. In other words, as he just goes about life, he says, see how the kingdom of God, living the way God designed, influences and affects everything I do. Wherever I am going, just come and see. In other words, being a follower means you desire to be with Jesus. So first question, do you want to be with Jesus? Do you look forward to your time with him? Yes, with brothers and sisters, but I'm talking, do you look forward to opening the word of God or speaking to him? And by the way, if you're like me, you hear that question and guilt starts to creep in. I know I'm the preacher, but there are days I don't want to read my Bible. There are days I don't want to pray. Anyone else in that room with me? Let's just just feel better together. Anyone else have a day where you don't want to read the Bible or pray? Anyone else honest in the room? You liars. (laughs) But here's what I want you to understand. Even in the moments where I say, I don't really want to, there's still underneath that. It's like, I don't want to, but I want to want to. Sometimes simply wanting to want to is enough to be with Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. These followers, these four guys would have already known Jesus before he called them to be his followers. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee up north in a place called Capernaum. It's just a city, and it wasn't a very big city. 
In fact, if you go to the Holy Land, they'll take you to Capernaum and you can take a rock and you can throw that rock and hit basically every major place where Jesus did so much of his ministry because that city is so very small. And so they would have already known about Jesus. They would have seen him teaching. They would have heard some of the conversations he had. They may have even had a moment of dialogue with Christ before this moment. Hear me now. They knew about Jesus, but there's a difference between knowing about him and wanting to be with him. And so the first thing, if you are a disciple, it always begins with desire. Do you just want to be with him? This is true of anything that you're being discipled by. Do you want to be with him or with it? The second thing Jesus says, though, it's not going to stay at simply be around me, be with me. Jesus is now going to invite us to become like him. And he does so with these next two words when he says, come, follow me. These are astounding words to be uttered by a rabbi. And for us to even get the weight of what's happening here. In fact, here's the reality. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I don't get the weight of what I'm reading. Does anyone else sometimes just kind of gloss over things and then someone else goes, oh, did you notice? And you're like, no, I didn't. So in this moment, Jesus is doing something that if we don't really dig into the culture, we're going to miss the big idea here. So let me just kind of take you into the ancient world of rabbis and disciples for a quick moment. Then we'll come up for air and get back onto the message. But I got to give you some background here. This was an astounding statement for Jesus to say, follow me, because that is not how rabbis and disciples started their relationship in the ancient world. In the ancient world, there were many different rabbis. The word rabbi can be translated as teacher. Some will translate it as great one. And the idea is that this is someone who was the best of the best when it came to the studies of God's word. To be a rabbi, you could not simply have passed with a C. You had to be like the 4.5 or the 5.0 or the 6.0 student, which I don't even know how that's possible on a four-point scale, but you do somehow. They had to be the best of the best, the brightest of the brightest. To be a rabbi, scholars will tell us that you had to be able to both memorize and quote the entire Old Testament. Does anyone else struggle with just like quoting one or two Bible verses? It's like, I always go with, hey, I think it says somewhere in there that, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. You're like, no, Diggs, that's Benjamin Franklin. That's not Jesus. It's like, oh, okay. They had to memorize the whole Old Testament, be able to quote it. They had to understand not only what the text said, but be able to recite what the predominant rabbinic teaching was of the day. What are the interpretations of this? So no, not just anyone could be a rabbi, only the best of the best. And if you wanted to have disciples, those who would carry on your teaching, by the way, the teaching of a rabbi was called your yoke. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, And learn from me. He's not talking about a weight. He's talking about a way of living and understanding the world. And so they would have this great wisdom. And they would come up with their understanding of how the world worked. And the teaching of scriptures. And they would then gather disciples who would learn from them. And then carry their teaching out into the world. But to have a disciple. This is so important. Listen to this. Rabbis did not go to the disciple and say follow me. Rather potential disciples would pick the rabbi. And come to the rabbi and say may I follow you. And the rabbi would not simply say yes or no. The rabbi would then begin to quiz this potential disciple. They they would ask them to quote passages, to explain certain things. Do they understand the teaching of this rabbi already? Or are they simply just coming to the table last minute as a last choice option? And only if this potential disciple got all the answers correct, would they then be invited to follow the rabbi. 
But Jesus doesn't go to the best of the best. He goes to those who were back at the family business. They had flunked out or had not continued to go in their studies. They were not the brightest of the bright. They'd gone back home. And he doesn't wait for them to come to him and say, may we follow you. Instead, Jesus says, I have one quiz answer. It's just a one question quiz. Are you ready? Here's the question. If you want to be my disciple, here it is. Will you follow me? Jesus doesn't say, here's all the things you need to know, all the things you need to do. It's just, will you follow me? And to follow Jesus, to become like him, is speaking of the way he thinks and the way he feels. The way he thinks about the world, the way he thinks about God, the way he thinks about others, the way he thinks about himself, and the way he feels. When he sees what happens around him, how does it affect what he feels? To become like Christ is to have the mind and the heart of Jesus. And a disciple is someone who learns that now the way it happened is a disciple, if chosen by the rabbi, would leave their home and go and live with the rabbi. They would watch what the rabbi did. They would tie their shoes or sandals, excuse me, as the rabbi. They would put their clothes on the way that the rabbi does. They would tie their sash the way the rabbi did. They would eat their food the way the rabbi ate their food. They would wash their hands the way the rabbi would wash his hands. They would teach and understand the world the way that the rabbi taught and thought about the world. In other words, they would do everything the rabbi did. We even have evidence that they would ask the rabbi, teach us how to pray for a variety of things. And the rabbi would say, here's a prayer for food. Here's a prayer for walking along the road. Here's a prayer for raising kids. Here's a prayer for this. They even had a prayer for how to use the bathroom. Teach us how you pray when you use the restroom. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm trying to show you there is no part of life that the disciple did not learn from their rabbi. Follow me was a whole life decision, not a Sunday activity. And so the rabbi would say, follow me, and they would learn how to think and to feel like the rabbi. So second question is simply this. It's one thing to hang around Jesus, but Are you desiring to become like him, to think how he thinks and to feel how he feels about the world? And in the moments where your mind goes in a direction that is not Christ-like or your feelings, it's like, yeah, I know God says this, but I feel this way. In those moments, do you say, Jesus, teach me as your student how to live as you lived? Because it means to be, to become. And number three, to be a disciple means that we desire to do what Jesus did. This is that we live out the mission of God in the world. He says it this way. I will make you fisher of men. Interesting. Isn't that what Jesus is doing in this moment? He's fishing for disciples. And what does he say? I will then do with you what you are doing right now. I'm going to get you to go do. I will get you to go be what I am doing. I'm going to invite you into the grand mission of God. In other words, it is not enough to simply want to hang around Jesus or even have him begin to transform your mind and your heart. Disciples are those who live out what it means to live in the kingdom of God. We live what he says to live We fish because Jesus fished. We love because Jesus loved. We give because Jesus gives. We serve because Jesus serves. In other words, every part of our lives, internal and external, begins to look like Jesus so that when you can't get the man, you get someone who has learned from the man. This is what it means to be a follower, a disciple, of Jesus. And this is true for anything else. If you were a disciple of football, if that's what you focus on, then what are you doing? You're around the game. You're thinking like a player. You're thinking and feeling like a player. And when you're around the game, when you're doing these things, you also begin to want to do things like it. So many of you are coaches. Some of you are great coaches because this is a life that you have been able to step into. And by the way, football's a great thing. 
but it makes a lousy rabbi. Some of us, we are being discipled in our jobs. And by the way, jobs are great. Money, being able to take care of your family and be generous, that's a great thing. A job is a great thing to do. It's a terrible rabbi. Even relationships, oh, I want to be in a marriage or I want to be in a relationship. Or I want. It's a great thing to have those things. It is a terrible thing to look at that as the great one in your life. But every one of us is being discipled in something. In fact, I got a picture that I want to show you real fast. It's a little video, 20 seconds. This is the best picture I know of to show you what it means to be a disciple. Are you ready? Check this out. Huh? Yeah! Oh. <laughs> All right, did you catch it? Did you catch it? There is Discipleship 101 right there. That's two-year-old Theo, by the way. He and his daddy are watching their favorite team on the TV. And Theo's like, oh, wait, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be great. Yes. He looks over and his dad knows what really happened. They didn't get a point. The other team got a point. The dad goes, no. And what does Theo do? He changes his actions to align with the one that he is following. You catch that? By the way, did you notice in verse 17, the very first thing we were told before Jesus brings disciples, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of God is near. That word repent means to turn around. It's the Greek word metanoeo. It just means change your mind, think differently. So as we're walking with Jesus, trying to be like him, when we see something and we do something or feel something different than Jesus, we go, Okay, this is the way we're going to go. I want to be the, oh no, like Jesus Christ. I want to be the, oh yeah, when Jesus goes, oh yeah. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, let me give you one final picture and then we're going to call it a morning. I want to show you a graph. This is a picture of what it means to follow Jesus, the way to visualize it. Because following Jesus is not an immediate experience. It is a lifelong process. This is why it can be so frustrating because you go, oh man, I'm not where I wish I were. But let me just sort of walk you through this. So this is the picture of discipleship. The vertical axis is to become more like Jesus. And of course, over time, we hope that that happens. And this is a picture. This next slide is a picture of what we kind of hope or think discipleship should look like, right? Yes to Jesus and baptism up and to the right for the rest of our lives. It's going to be amazing. But this isn't how it works, is it? If you're like me, many of your years are spent going flatline versus going up. Because here's what happens. As you're walking along, you're just kind of beginning your journey with Jesus. Come, he says, just be with me. You're like, all right, Jesus, I'll be with you. And he says, come walk into the water of baptism with me. Be like me in every way, including being baptized. Make a personal decision, not because your parents told you to, not because this is how the church always does it, but you follow me into the water. And you say, okay, Jesus, I'll do that. And then there comes this moment where Jesus turns over his shoulder and he sort of stops and he says, okay, I, I, I want you to do something I want you to choose to fill in the blank. Maybe it's for you, it's serve. I want you to give of your time to bless others. Or maybe it's, I want you to give financially. I've blessed you and I'm gonna ask you to be a blessing to others. Or maybe he says, I want you to forgive that person who has wounded you so deeply. I want you to free them and really in freeing them, you find freedom. And now we have this opportunity And it's really a choice that so many of us are living in even in this moment. Some of us are at this moment because Jesus is inviting some of us today to follow him in an area that we have yet to follow him. And we have two choices. Choice number one is to say, yes, Lord, and continue on. Choice number two is to say, no, I don't think so. And he goes, okay. But understand, this is where you will now live until you say yes. 
How do you pass the third grade, friends, and go into the fourth grade? Answer, you pass the final exam. You get through. And until you and I say yes, Lord, to whatever it is we've said no, Lord, to, that's where our discipleship is going to be plateaued. But then if we say, yes, Lord, he goes, awesome, let's keep going. And so you continue to go. But then he goes, oh, hey, I've got something else as you progress. He's like, hey, you know that other thing we've been talking about? I want you to now take your next step. I now want you to forgive. Or I now want you to share your faith. Or now I want you to fill in the blank. It's different for each of us. But there's another moment where he'll say, okay, take your next step. And once again, we are presented with a choice. Do we continue to say yes, Lord, or no, Lord? And now this is where we will stay until we say yes, Lord, again. And if we say yes, Lord, by the grace of God, then we continue on. But friends, this is how discipleship works. It is not simply I say I like Jesus, but rather I am with him. I'm becoming like him in heart and head, and I'm doing Doing what Jesus did. This is what a disciple looks like. Did you notice that verse? After they call, after Jesus called them, it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. They left their nets and their nets. A net can be anything that you're holding on to that keeps you from holding on to Jesus. And for some of us, our nets are not bad things. It's a good thing, but if it keeps you from following Jesus, if it keeps us from saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, then the thing that we are holding on to ends up holding on to us. But notice what they did. They simply said, yes, Lord. And they left their net and they followed Jesus. And so here's really the question. If someone says, I want Jesus, show me the man. Could you say, hey, I I can't bring him to you, but I've been with him. I'd love to show you what he looks like. Because here at the end of it all, to be a follower, to be a disciple is simply this. Three words, let's say it one last time. It is to be, it is to become, it is to do. Yes, I am with Jesus. You come be with me because as I'm learning to follow Christ, you can follow him. I'm learning to listen to him, to think like he thinks, to feel like he feels. And yes, I want people to know, I want to be like him in the world around me. So when the world can't get to the man, will we be the kind of people who say, hey, I've been with him. Let me show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Here's a beautiful promise that I'll end on this morning. It's simply this. Did you notice Jesus doesn't go to the best of the best? They didn't have all the answers when they first met Jesus. They simply had the willingness to say, yes, Lord. Here's the good news. I don't know where you are this morning. Some of you, you are all-star Christians. Man, you were not only raised in the church, your mom gave birth to you like on the second row. Preacher pulls you out, smacks you. You say, Jesus. I mean, that's your story. And so for some of you, you hear this and you just go, yeah, yeah, okay. For others, we kind of go, man, that's not been my story. I'm I'm not a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. You don't have to already know what is right to follow the right one. In fact, it is only in following Jesus that we become right before God. It is in saying yes to him that we learn what it means to be like Jesus. So here's the great news if today you find yourself saying, I'm not this yet. Great news. You don't make yourself like that. Jesus does. All you do today is say, yes, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to become like you, and I want to do what you did. And you can do that this morning. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you can enter into the waters of baptism and follow your rabbi today. If you are a follower of Jesus, though, it's never too late to resume that walk and say, yes, Lord, I want to be with you 
become like you and do what you did. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you're with us this morning, that you are walking among us. And for so many in this room, I believe you are calling those beautiful words, come, follow me. I pray that we will not tell you that we have far too much to do, that our nets are far too full, our lives are much too busy. But instead, I pray that we will let go of our nets and immediately say, yes, Lord. For those in here who are not yet followers, I pray that they would... They would just say, hey, I'm going to take you up on the invitation to come and see. I'm not yet agreeing to anything, but I want to learn more about what it looks like to live like Jesus. Because I believe that as we see the real Jesus in his beauty and his glory, his enticing life will draw us closer to you, and we will want to become like him and ultimately do what he did. Where every person is this morning, Lord, I pray that you'll meet us. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.